the Cycling Tips podcast. I've got some good news for you today and some bad news. Bad news first is uh, Abby's not here. She's um, she's moving house. Other bad news is I'm hosting. The good news is that this podcast should actually be better than the one we haven't just recorded because we're having to re-record it because somebody on this call, Amy, didn't record. Anyway, the people... On the on the Cycling Tips podcast today, we have got Ronan. How are you, mate? I'm fully recording. Yes, everything recording. is recording. All the buttons, yes, everything's on. Computer's recording. <laughs> Zoom is recording. I'm making no sense, but nothing changed there. So all good. Also, seen, seen Santa. Seen Santa last night, which was great. So yeah, I'm all good. Amy, how are you? How's your recording going? I feel like a bit of an egg, I'm not going to lie. I think this is my last time on the podcast. We've all been there, mate. And Johnny, how are you, mate? I had such a fun time recording this the first time that it's almost <laughs> like a bonus. Uh, but what I will say is that clearly cycling tips just can't get the staff these days. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. for, for those of you, which is everybody that didn't hear the first version of this, uh, Johnny's on his way in a long way, long way around to San Francisco and we made some jokes some yeah. puns about the Are You Going to San Francisco song. So yeah. can't go into those for a third time. So we'll just let the listeners piece those together for themselves. My journey is going to feel even longer now. So, Because you have got a long journey, Eddie. You're in the States. You're heading from Chicago to San Francisco, aren't you? On the train. Yep. Uh, for the past month, I've been slowly making my pilgrimage towards the outside offices uh, in Colorado. Um, Understandable. So maybe I will be doing my th- this podcast this time next week with a big uh, light up outside logo behind me, like a certain other cycling podcaster recently. Um, but we'll have to stay tuned for that. And I'm just this. This is the third time today I've heard that you're going to San Francisco. So I'm just from Chicago by train. I'm just yeah. Ronan, did you did you know that uh, t- later today I'm leaving Chicago and I'm getting the train to San Francisco and it, it's going to take 52 hours. And the, yeah, the good thing is you know when you get there you'll meet a lot of gentle people. So that'll be a good yeah. And then uh, I'm mother- yes. <laughs> people won't be yeah. aware that Ronan's made uh, Janice Joplin's joke about four times now. Us for a year are tired of it, but. It's all good. Right, what have we got on today's run sheet? Um, We know, you people (laughs) don't, but we will let you know. First up, we have got uh, protests at the British Cycling Federation headquarters over their new main sponsor. We got uh, the World Cup cyclocross event has uh, gone off with uh, two very good wins and uh, uh, one very... Unfortunate mechanical, or two unfortunate mechanicals, no, one unfortunate mechanical. We've also got uh, uh, another fantastic bit of racing in Monaco, the Beacon Crit, one which was, uh, we'll let you into a little secret, supposed to have a certain person here on the podcast racing at. And then we've got more Quintana news about where he's going to be ending up, possibly in 2023. And then as for the tech news, we might talk a little bit of a, about a broken wheel, Pidcock's broken wheel, and some aero bars that Ronan's, I don't know, have you fallen in love with or geeked mm. out over? Yeah, well, you wanted me to talk about the broken wheel, but yeah, I, I don't want to get into that whole conspiracy theory thing. So I'm going to talk about aero coaches, new aero handlebars that make aero bodies. 
the, the first time around, I wasn't particularly looking forward to the aero bars discussion, seeing as that's not really within my sort of wheelhouse. Uh, but now, seeing as it's one of the few topics that I haven't heard about, I'm actually <laughs> buzzing to hear more about it. And because it's at the end of the podcast, it means we will have done the work. So, yeah, yeah I'm a little treat, to about a it. little treat at the end. <laughs> All Do right, you know then, what? who won? I might be the one that messed this up, but I am also the one that's watched all the racing that happened over the yes. weekend. So it, if it wasn't for me, none of y'all would now, know what was going on. But you told I, I just us. Want to point. Go on. Oh, so I can just go and I don't have yeah. to listen to the Quintana stuff again. No, no. I just want to point out that you've just doubled the pressure on yourself because not only have you like ensured that we've had to re-record this, but you're also now telling the you know the listening public that you're actually the person that's watched all the cycling here. So. Over to you, Amy, for the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, take oh. it away. The rest of the show, no, please. <laughs> I, I I just want to say also, like, I'm I'm delighted that you didn't hit record because you know we just get to spend more time together here, which is you know all four. It's of us. lovely. It's team yeah, it bonding. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's been it's been uh, 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 yeah, it's been great. Crack. It's been a time. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I also mentioned before. Um, before we talk about cross, there was the track champions league, the third round of that on Saturday, um, which I'm actually really enjoying. And I said before, like I know Kit um, talked about this at length last week and did a really good job. Cause she went to the one in Berlin. So I'm not going to bash on about it too much, but um, yeah, it was, it took place in the same velodrome that they'll be using at the Paris Olympics, um, which, uh, yeah. Oh my God. Am I all right? Evelyn. Um, Evelyn, just outside of Paris. Yeah. There you go. Oh yeah, you're in France. You can pronounce French things. There you go. I used to. I used to live. It used to be my local track uh, four years ago. There you go. Well, it was there, and um, the French sprinter Matilda Gray had a really good out in there um she i just really like how she is so kind of aggressively competitive and the way she stares her opponents down and that's kind of what i like about track racing it's like dramatic um ronan what i was just going to say i didn't see the track champions league at the weekend but i've seen matilda grove win the world championship on the same track i believe mm-hmm. uh, just over a month ago and yeah she is uh quite intimidating when she gets she was like uh, I think I was watching it with my wife and she was, like we both commented on just how like in your face in, or in the opponent's face she gets just before, yeah it was uh, I, I see what you like about that yeah she fully goes for like the psyching her opponents out like she, you have to like see it but she she stares them down and she'll she's and not, even when she sat in the where they I don't know what it's called where they sit before they go up onto the track like she's got this like expression that's just like pure focus and like She's ready. Um, so, yeah, she she had a good night. Um, obviously, Katie Archibald as well. And the usual suspects, um, Harry Levison. So, yeah, I'm not going to go through all the results because there was loads. And actually, the format of it, I can't. There's, it's different to usual um, stuff like the Worlds and that. So, but yeah, it was, that was good. Uh, last, uh, next couple of rounds are both in London, Friday and Saturday. Um, and then... Shall I move on to the cross now? Shall I just go straight into cross? Yes, please do. You're doing a little sterling job. <laughs> this is my podcast now. Um, <laughs> uh, so then we had the Cyclocross World Cup in Holst in the Netherlands on Sunday. And 
Puk Peterson won the women's race ahead of Femme Van Impel. Um, Femme Van Impel had a bit of a mare. Her gears went into crash mode, which Ronan knows a lot about. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Puk won her second World Cup victory uh, after winning her first a few weeks ago. And then the next race was the men's race, um, which saw the return of Matthew Van Der Poel um, coming up against Tom Pidcock. And Tom Pidcock also had a bit of a mare in the last lap and Van, but Vanderpool was already well away uh, and he took the win. What was this minute then if people aren't aware? What was his what was Pidcock's problem? First of all, just quick stat though. Vanderpool's first cross win for about two years well, for two years he didn't really race last year. Um last season he did like one and a half races. He um pulled out of Zolder and he raced one other because of his back problems. So yeah, sorry. Ronan's ready to talk about so Pickcock's wheel now. It's his first. It's his first one in two years, but also he's still winning one in three races. <laughs> wow! <laughs> you know, it's not quite as impressive as that season where he won like pretty much everything he every cross race he did. But he was. It seemed to take Vanderpool a couple of laps to get up to speed. Yesterday, he like went from the fourth row. Uh, coming up to one of the hairpins on the course, that completely dive bombed on the inside locked up the back wheel, skidded around the hairpin and away again. And then there was a huge crash behind him that may or may not have been caused by him freaking out the other riders. I don't know, but we didn't get a good camera angle. But from there on, he, you know, within a lap, he went from fourth row to front of the race, crashed, worked his way back up, crashed. Uh, I might be getting the order wrong here, but Technically, he was a mess. Yeah, part, yeah. Technically, he was a mess. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but he overcame all of that with sheer power. Uh, and even while he was in the lead, he, you know, he crashed another two times. It was incredibly slippy yesterday. I watched the same Holst race back in January. This is the second Holst cycle cross of 2022. Another random fact. That could be a, that could be a pub quiz question in years to come. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was incredibly slippery this time. And, and when he was out clear on his own out front, he crashed another twice, I think. Um, but nothing of any consequence. Any, any Pidcock was his nearest challenger who had a crash of his own, which I think is what Shotty is alluding to. Um, and there's been a yeah a couple of questions popped up online since that crash because basically we didn't really see what happened to Pidcock. The camera cut to him and his back wheel was broken and it wasn't quite broken in two, but it, there was a there was a huge crack in it. There was a hole in it. It was unwritable. Um, and then, you know, quickly the speculation started. Is this the same kind of failure as we've seen Yombo Visma riders had with the previous generation Jurais wheels at Paris Bay this year? And my answer is no, it is not. <laughs> we we haven't got great camera angle on this, but it just looks like he's hit where where he's lost control of the rear end of the bike, and the bike has gone come around from behind him. It seems to have just, you know, it's been on a piece of grass just as he's about to hit a tarmac section. There's probably a lip there with a tarmac and it looks like he's just caught that lip sideways and cracked the wheel. So, which then has led to him crashing into one of the wooden stakes that holds up the the tape and the banners that, that sort of cordon off the course. So, um, yeah, I think it was just a, a, a broken wheel caused by a crash rather than a crash caused by a broken wheel. Rather than, that, rather than a true mechanical, eh? Because mm. the, the team has had, the, rather than the true mechanical, because the team have had a few mechanical issues with the new bike by the looks of things, or at least Amy's pointed out a couple. Yeah, that was Amy's point from the last podcast. Now you've just stolen it. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Amy. You want us through the, the, the other couple of uh, problems that they've had? 
Yeah, well, mm. um, Pauline Ferran Prevost in her first race for Ineos at Coppenberg Cross, I think it was her first race, um, she had like three separate mechanicals in the same race and seemed pretty frustrated about about the, I think it was the gears or something was going wrong. Look, I have no idea about these things, but um, yeah, three mechanicals. And then I think she had some trouble in a later race, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think yesterday was just a, you know, a, a circumstance of how slippy the course was. I think that was what, you know, probably under pressure trying to chase Vanderpool, you know, whether he made a mistake or not, he, you know, the, the bike slipped from under him. And I think that's what, you know, led to the, the, the problem yesterday rather than some problem with equipment or whatever. So um, I'd say both of those riders are probably going to put those new Panarellos to, to good use. That's, well, as Pedcock did 24 hours earlier, didn't he win his first race in the World Championships jersey? Or the world champions jersey 24 hours earlier um so and then the other mechanical we were talking about was crash mode ah uh, um, yes fem yes yeah mm-hmm. which i as i was saying in the previous podcast i didn't see the women's race yesterday but i presume that she's racing with 12 speed di2 uh, in which case the 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 old way of exiting crash mode by holding the button uh that button is now on the radio radio so you can't actually do that while you're on the bike um, so she may or may not have been aware of that. There's also the option to like shift all the way to the largest sprocket and all the way to the smallest sprocket, and it should fix itself out of crash mode. But again, you know that that's not immediately obvious when you're in severe oxygen debt, trying to rally yourself around uh, a field covered in muck, chasing the rider in front of you. So um, yeah, that's unfortunate. The crash mode took her out of the race. To go back to the men's race, the sentence I never thought I'd say. Um, <laughs> the, um, and what we didn't really talk about in the the previous podcast um, is that um, yeah, it was the first time that Vanderpool's race crossed this season, and he came up against Pidcock, who's been like flattening everyone else the last few races, and Vanderpool just rode away and then came out and said like, "Oh, I'm not even in like top form yet," so that's quite ominous. Meanwhile, it is next. Sorry, go on, Johnny. What are you laughing at? Just no, not a year. Matthew Vanderpoel. Oh, oh, how ridiculous! Okay, why am I so self conscious? I feel like everyone's like, I don't know. Every time I see someone ne- laugh, I'm ne- like, I'm not saying something wrong. Can't, ima- can't imagine why. Because ne- next uh, next week sees uh, Root Van Aert return to the, the cross scene, didn't it? So we got we got to have the the three of them go up against each other. This should make for some really good racing. Not that this weekend wasn't, but it should make some really, really good racing. Which didn't happen at Worlds when he won, just to point out that one. <laughs> yeah, it will be it will be in it'll be interesting to see uh the three of them come back and be racing against each other. Cause I feel like last season maybe because Wow Van Art had so much else on and the tour eventually kind of dominated how we think of his twenty twenty two. So it'll be I think it'll be exciting to get back to sort of the Vanderpoel versus Van Art, and then with Pidcock in the rainbow jersey he f- I guess he finally can sort of say that he's on not on the same level but be regarded as on in the same stratosphere maybe maybe that's too much maybe I'm um, being the antithesis to Matthew Vanderpoel saying he's beaten Tom Pidcock while not even at his peak form but um, I mean uh, maybe I'll tune into some cyclocross races because that sounds like a decent uh, decent battle well, you'll have time on that 54-hour train ride, mate. 
Oh, the World Cup's on at the minute, so maybe that's why. Uh, maybe it's that's like why. The first World Cup. No, the <laughs> <laughs> so on brand, Ronan. <laughs> you can see that one being held in Qatar, can't you? Actually, the um, the other day, Ronan asked uh, for me to sub an article literally two minutes before the England game kicked off, and I was like, only Ronan would be the person to not realise that the the England match is about to be on, and be like, could you just pop in and sub this article about? Well, I was I was fully aware of what was happening. Just, oh, you're aware? Okay, you're just uh... <laughs> priorities, Johnny. Priorities. I see. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in the racing world, as such, there has been the B King Monaco Criterium. Shall we talk about? Uh, the spectacular race in there because certain Philippe Gilbert took his uh, last victory as a professional. Or oh, is he still classed as a professional, even though he's... Yeah. I'm sure he'll still be getting paid until yeah. the 31st of December. Of course, uh, yeah. I think this is up there as well with some of his other wins, you know. But I guess the only the only slight uh, mark on, on this victory is that he... we Well, it's unconfirmed, but uh, a certain Irishman was maybe going to be racing... Uh, but then somehow logistically it didn't it didn't quite work out. Maybe like his his form got lost. He wasn't permitted to line up. So who knows what would have actually happened at the Big King Classic twenty twenty two. For the benefit of the listeners of the podcast, let me explain what Johnny is talking about. <laughs> this uh, is this is probably the most uh, going to be one of the most annoying episodes to uh, to listen to yeah, because it becomes I, so meta because now we're just referring to what we've already spoken about. So at least <laughs> our annoyance is now shared with the audience. Let's not refer to it again, but on to your point about the B-King criterium, uh, plans were afoot for me to uh, at least attend and possibly participate in the B-King because we had all that talk about the ASO criteriums. Um, yeah, that's true. And and I kept bringing up with Monaco one, and then, um, yeah, it was suggested that perhaps it would be a good idea to go uh, and report on this event. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go and report on it, I'm going to go and participate in the damn thing. So, um, yeah, popped a few messages. Turns out that uh, the long-lost Irishman, Matty O'Trenton, uh, he, he's the race organizer, uh, and he had uh, another Irish rider, uh, Nico Roach, on board as well, helping uh, deliver the event. Uh, so we got in touch, and, yeah, the, the plan was uh, to go out and cover the event. It's kind of like, it's really, well, I find it a fascinating event. And, you know, you've got... Monaco Town Centre, at least part of it, shut down for a family fun cycling day with, you know, every pro within driving distance or riding distance of Monaco participating in either or both of the family events with their with their families and their, their kids and that. And also there's an, I think there's an amateur event uh, or criterium also. And then there's, of course, the professional riders criterium um, coming at a sort of strange time of, the year uh, and last year you know we've seen all the photos i think last year was the first year of the event and we've seen the photos of primos roglic winning in his full winter kit and it's like i'm ah, not far behind you know? so kind of thought it was kind of fascinating we we're going to go and report on it but then yeah i don't know something happened a couple of weeks ago we derailed all those plans and um, yeah. yeah we didn't, didn't get there but still it looked like a pretty fascinating event and from what i understand and that's partly why i wanted to go to find out more about it partly it is for charity and there's a lot of fundraising done and also um on unlike some of these criteriums which are merely spectacles um put on uh, as sort of well just you know like a like some sort of traveling circus or something you know fans can come out and and view it and see their superstars and 
organizers can presumably make big money from it and writers can get paid to come along and stuff. This one seems like actually it's a bunch of pro writers doing something good. And from what I understand as well, it's actually Matteo Trenton himself like ringing around all the writers in the area sort of, and he is actually having to haggle them and hassle them to, to participate in the event. But then he's also asking, you know, can we have one of your rainbow jerseys or can we have your yellow jersey or can we have something to raffle off or auction off at the, the charity event as well. So I didn't get, I don't know what the charities are and all that, but that's kind of what I was hoping to go and find out. Apparently he didn't win just one race that day. He won the pro-am the, in the morning and the professional in the afternoon. So I'm guessing you would have been riding the pro-am and it says he um, only won it by a second. So I'm guessing the pro-am's probably the race and the pro is like the showcase event. Well, I, I'm from, you know, there, there's, their speculation is rife that he actually derailed my plans intentionally because mm. you know he he was he was trying to eliminate the competition basically. Um, so yeah, Philip Gilbert, you know, it, it was his day at the end of the day. I, I may have you know towed the line, but certainly the plan was to go there and stick it to him. Like, yeah, that would have been great. Like, I think that's uh, that's something that's missing from the Saitama criteriums is just you turning up and just trying to yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I think also maybe, and maybe this casting aspersions, maybe you fancied a November trip to to Monaco, seeing as I imagine it's not the same weather as where you currently are now. I am going to have to ask you to retract that statement, please, Johnny Long. That is, it, uh, it, it makes all sorts of aspersions about my professionality, and I was going there merely on working purposes. There was there was nothing nothing to do with sun. I'm sure we've all seen they're wearing winter kits, so why would I be going there for the sun? I don't well, know well I, I think your professionality is intact because you would have gone there and actually raced the event. So I think you're, you, you've been proven to be unscrupulous already. So mm. I will not retract my statement. I will stand by it. Mm, we'll agree to disagree. <laughs> there, there is other events uh, similar to this coming up in uh, Spain. I'm pretty sure it's in Madrid in a couple of weeks or so similar sort of charity event. So maybe we try and get you down that way. Uh, or, you know, we could just like... <laughs> just have a CT our... holiday. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say have organise our own CT criterion. You know, we could have the Derry City Centre Christmas Eve professional pro-am criterion. What, you know, who wouldn't want to go to that on Christmas Eve? Well, and... according to Twitter, um, oh, what's the director's name? Um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> who? Film director, sports director, who? Film director. Spielberg. Film. No, other one. Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> Scorsese is <laughs> a massive fan of Derry Girls. So if we can get him to tweet out about Derry Girls and the Derry race at the same time, we could get everybody over that way. That's mm. tenuous. I, that is I really, a very tenuous link. <laughs> I, I really like the idea that when Ronan said Spielberg and you said no, the other one, that there are only two... <laughs> directors <laughs> to choose from uh, the 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 scary thing is i thought i was being you know as random as possible because i did not think he was talking about an actual movie director but turns out he is talking about a movie <laughs> sorry sorry i thought a very uh, big tangent there right what else we got to talk about british cycling that's the one in it and the old uh that is the one protests on the roof of the manchester uh offices they have there it looks like with British Cycling having a uh, a new sponsor in the shape of Shell, it's a lot of people have taken a dislike to it, which is understandable in many regards. And then last week, there was uh, a few people standing on the roof letting it be known that they weren't happy with B British Cycling and Shell partnering up. 
Does anybody want to take this one on? Go on then. Um, Go on, Johnny, me man. Yeah, the, the protesters, you could say, were make it, making their own movie um, with flares. There was apparently a samba band. It was a few different groups. It was Friends of the Earth, which is an environmental group, uh, Extinction Rebellion, which are sort of the ones that have been in the news the most for the past year, sort of standing in motorways, gluing themselves to trains. Um I think they were, were they the ones throwing soup on artwork as well? I, I can't, yeah. Uh, but standing on top of the British Cycling Building seems to be the most, they found one former protest that has actually uh, not had any detractors. They've like, everyone's like, you know what, actually, as much as some people dislike Extinction Rebellion, you know, British Cycling here are the, actually deserve all the, the, the rip they're getting. Um, it stems from the, the partnership with Shell. And the protest was timed for British Cycling's annual general meeting that was supposed to be happening in Birmingham. But then I think they, got, I don't know if this is true, but I think they, 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 well, they definitely did take it online. I'm not sure because of the protest or if it was just a coincidence or maybe they're worried that there was going to be a samba band in Birmingham, which I think would, would be a, a first. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, the protesters there were, a lot of them were British Cycling members and just, British cyclists uh, who said that they've they cancelled their membership and it's all you know it's all pretty bleak uh, and the response from British Cycling uh, when asked for a statement is that they just reiterated the same line I'm just trying to find it here from the article um, about how that they respect the right to protest and uh, working and engaging with the groups uh, but they they are still uh, committed to the deal of with Shell, which aims to uh, make British Cycling net zero. So it's just we're in thrown into a bizarro world where, you know, maybe we'll have Jim Ratcliffe uh, sort of doing something equally, like putting the flowers in his hair and singing Kumbaya with Extinction Rebellion soon as well. That's probably just as likely. I think they call it they call it greenwashing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little bit, of, just a little bit of greenwashing, just to get us through the off season. It's not the first time British Cycling's partnered with a, a petrol company. Or BP used to be a major sponsor back in, I think, like the sixties, if I remember rightly. Well, admittedly, well, and- admittedly people's views on them, dirty uh, old back then, was a, a, a different thing. But yeah, it's not, not like it's come full circle. But yeah, it's it's, also- it's amazing that they have partnered with Shell and thought it'd be okay. They also had Persil for a sponsor for a while, which are fantastic for washing whites. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, as well, uh, like saying it's a different time, like back then with the BP sponsorship, Shell were one of the companies that actually knew what they were doing to the the environment and covered it up for for years. Um, but then, even if you look at British Cycling, I mean, it's it's hard to cast dispersions on all these spon. Well, it's not hard, but. You know, at some point you can get down to the moral fibre of any sort of company and maybe you're going to find something not so great. But even with HSBC, um, there's if you Google HSBC bad things, then they've they've been accused or whatever of various bad money things. And I, I don't want to be more um, specific than that just in case I get it wrong and they sue me, uh, which is kind of where we're at. Yeah, you don't want to lose your job, Johnny. No, exactly. Not over that anyway. That'd be a really bleak way to go out. Sort of like falling in a in a ditch and drowning in an inch of water. <laughs> okay, what other stories have we got to talk about? Should we should we delve over into I think the we world gotta talk of... about the we gotta talk about the sort of I don't know, I've 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 I mean mine's taking a blank here, but just you know, Amy just 
exiting the camera for a second to show off the rainbow jersey in the background, and then you know just you know, you know it's, it's just a subtle little uh, sh- uh, show off here, I think, or something to that effect. Uh, yeah, that, that is actually news. <laughs> Abby just no, framed Amy, Amy framed just rainbow jersey in the background, and there's like a rainbow jersey <laughs> tucked behind the red. Now, tell us about that, mate. Yeah, it's actually mine. I'm actually a current world champion um, of um, charity quits. No, um, it's this one here in this. Oh, frame so there's more than one. Oh, Sam's okay. Under twenty. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's three here. There's that's his under twenty three one, one of two, and then there's the marathon and the short track one that's there behind me. And who do these belong to? It's little. My boyfriend. We won't go any further. Gillian Alaphilippe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the, the short, mountain bike short track world champion, Gillian Alaphilippe. Yeah, it's a bit it. of a vibe change from the background you had previously, which was just all of your washing on a, on a clothes horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of the, the biggest change you could and get. And to add to the glamour, to add to the glamour, the reason I moved is because outside in the square, they're getting rid of all the glass recycling and all you can hear is just smashing glass. So, so not um, only did outside get rid of Kaylee, uh, Matt and Dave, they, they're now getting rid of your glass recycling. <laughs> when, will this, when will this madness end? That's what I want to know. Oh, Johnny. <laughs> T- talking of jerseys on walls, um, there's a, uh, we're going to talk about Quintana, a man who could be adding... Um, another jersey to his collection because, well, the circus of him joining a uh, yet another pro team continues. He appeared on uh, Colombian radio this week, still claiming that he's got a World Tour team lined up. EF Education first and Intermarsh, one the uh, names were thrown about, but they have since come out and said, woohoo, no, he's not heading over this way, folks. So shall we go round the room here? and um, speculate where he could be going or where you'd like him to end up. Yeah, because we've already like delved into week after week, along with the Cavendish story as to exactly, you know, where exactly. he might actually be going. So let's, let's not do that again, again, for the benefit of the listeners. Uh, so where is he going? Yeah. Um, Johnny, you, you've you been following this closely. I mean, with Quintana, it's like, you know, in, you know in Pulp Fiction when John Travolta walks into the room and sort of looks around for where is everyone? I, that seems to be the, what's going on with the teams because as soon as the team gets linked, they come out and say like, "Oh, not us, mate." Um, I think Bahrain is maybe the only team that he's been linked with that haven't come out and said no. I think Movistar did; they said something cryptic, so maybe left the door just a, a little bit open. I would, I would. Bahrain kind of makes sense, and I'd, yeah, makes a little bit of sense. Astana is the other one. I think that would just be a natural end game for all of this nonsense. Um, and I'm sure that Nara Quintana and Miguel Angel Lopez will be putting the Movistar Netflix doc on notice next year because those two are going to get up to to all sorts of uh, of adventures that will make I, I Movistar can... think they should have, they should have uh, brought those guys back if only to make the fourth instalment of the least expected day ever that was actually the most expected day. I can see him going to Astana as well. It kind of makes sense. Kind of, yeah. Uh, him and Miguel Angel Lopez together on the climbs, arguing with each other. Yeah, it'd be wicked, wouldn't it? Each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for a whole host of reasons, Astana seems to seems to fit. 
Like um, if they say it'd be like stage sixteen or seventeen or something of the tour, and those two like break away for a for a mountain stage win, and like you know with the Ineos one where the two it was Kiatowski and uh, Carapaz went up the road. I imagine them two doing it, but instead of sort of Carapaz gifting it to Kiatowski, so he's got a chance to win a tour stage. I imagine those two just full on sprinting for the line, and then there's like a huge blow up and fallout afterwards, and it would just be wicked. I I don't think it gets that far. Uh, there are two reasons either. <laughs> First of all, you know, going on on tradition here, going on you know past experiences, Miguel Angel Lopez will will quit the race, uh, fall out with the team, and, and leave. Yeah, or hit, hit a road and, sign. Yeah, and Quintana will have the same whatever whatever forced Miguel Angel Lopez to do that. The same will be happening to Quintana. But what he actually does is sort of turns around and just wins the stage to prove everybody wrong. So in that scenario, Quintana wins. In the other scenario in which we have to think back to how Miguel Ángel López got his nickname Superman when he fought off uh, armed robbers uh, to to save his bike from being robbed from him. Uh, and I think he actually got stabbed at the time, but still kept at the bike and fought off three... Uh, I don't think they were armed as in they had guns, but they certainly had knives. They uh, had arms, and, yeah. And that, that yeah, in that scenario, from? the two of them are brawling on the finish line and Miguel Ángel López obviously wins over Quintana and takes the stage. Mm. Yeah, I'll be wicked. Mess with him. Is that that's an honest? St- I've never heard yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was out training, and he was uh, attacked by a th- I think it was three uh, three people, and he fought them off. Took a took a stabbing in the mean in the process, uh, but but saved his presumably team edition bike, which you know you got to think. Yeah, you got to think it would have been you know maybe a better idea just to hand it over. But that just shows you the the, the mentality of the man who we're talking about here. Like mm. he's 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 a fighter. I rate it. That's a, that's amazing. All right then, Amy. What about you? Where's he going to end up? Oh, I thought I'd got <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> I'm not letting well, you off the hook. Astana. Just say Astana. We, we all are. Astana. Huh? Yeah, Astana, definitely Astana. Sounds like a good fit. Well, yeah, yeah it's a, for me, it's Astana. And if it ain't a World Tour team, it's going to go to that Baz Tierman new team. That's from Baz Oh, Baz Tierman, that would be... That's, that's a fella. That would be so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you imagine? I thought you were talking about another film director for a second. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's the three, the three big ones. Spielberg, Scorsese, Tietema. <laughs> <laughs> No, Baz Luhrmann, I thought he was saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know who that is. For me, it's Tietzman as a third, for sure. Is that a bit, a bit niche? niche. <laughs> right then, folks, shall we move into... Uh, I'm ticking everything up. We've done, we've done the cross. We've done the track. We've done British cycling. Quintana. Uh, what else? Monaco. Looks like it could be tech time. Shall we delve down a tech hole, Roland? Do a bit of a, a nerd Nerd nugget. nugget. Mm-hmm. We, right. Yes, we probably should. Nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert, nerd alert. Nerd Tell alert. us about these nerd aero coach bars that look funky, shall we say? Yeah, the uh, aero coach is a British brand, sort of uh, synonymous with aero products and aero gains and aero testing and doing riders' time trial positions. And just, and it, you know, they do wheels, they do time trial equipment, and now they do a set of road handlebars. They've done track handlebars for quite a while. Uh, this is their first road bar uh, offering. It's the AeroCoach Ornix, and the Ornix are they're set of arrow-shaped handlebars, and they have gone down the sort of extremely narrow route, uh, pretty much as narrow as you could get away with within the UCI regulations. 
The bars are 32 and a half centimeters wide at the hoods and they flare out to 37 centimeters at the end of the drops. And that's in keeping with the UCI regulations. It says your handlebars must be a minimum of 35 centimeters center to center. So they, they fit within the rules. Uh, and when I first seen these, I thought, oh yeah, it's a set of aero handlebars. There's probably some talk of wake generators and um, vortex generators and all sorts of aero geekery going on here that may or may not work and we never really know. But And I, I reached out to AeroCoach and Dr. Xavier Dusley, who runs AeroCoach, and asked him, you know, let's get a talk about these bars and, you know, fill me in on them. There was no press release or anything. They sort of quietly put them out there in the world just in the middle of last week. Uh, I must have spent about an hour on the phone to Xavier about the bars and it was just quite refreshing to hear what he had to say because he was like, yes, these are our new handlebars. They're 350 pound a pair. They're um, 32 centimeters wide at the hood, blah, blah, blah. Yes, they're aero. But really what they're all about is just getting the rider into a better position because as we all know, a rider makes up, well, the, you know, roughly speaking, let's say about 80% of the total drag from the rider and the bike. Uh, and that's often quite lost in a lot of aero product press releases. And they talk about being X percent faster than the old version and X watts saved compared to the previous version. And, you know, a lot of talk like that. Whereas in talking with Xavier Disley, the aero coach himself, <clears throat> who makes lots of aero products and sells them on his aero coach shop, he was more like, well, actually, it's all about the bars. And he was, you know, quite happy to admit if someone goes out and gets a pair of kids' handlebars for 32, well, 32 centimeter wide kids' handlebars for 30 pound online, which I have done, he says, you probably will make similar savings because most of the savings are coming from the writer. And I just find that, you know, remarkably um, refreshing. refreshing. Yes, yeah. yes. And, and that's kind of the point that I was trying to make in the article. Now, that's not to say that the I believe the kids' handlebars at £30 are <laughs> as good an option for road racing as these new Arnix handlebars because, as Xavier, I haven't had them in my hands yet. He has promised me a set for review in the near future, so I look forward to that. But in talking with Xavier, also just the amount of attention to detail that went into these handlebars is quite phenomenal, really. Like, the Yes, they are aero-shaped, um, but they're also made to be incredibly stiff, which Xavier says is actually quite important when you're navigating a bunch sprint. You don't want to, uh, as he put it, you don't want a spaghetti handlebar beneath you. Uh, you want something that's going to be stiff so that, that we've we've got a brace across the, the front of the handlebars just behind where the computer would sit sort of in front of the stem, um, which, you know, on the face of it, it looks like some sort of aero fairing or something. He was like, no, no, that's not aero. That's just to increase the stiffness. There's nothing aero going on behind the head unit there. He says the head unit is going to interrupt whatever airflow is there anyway. So that's just purely about improving uh, stiffness. But he also pointed out that, you know, if riders go to a narrower handlebar setup, by moving your hands narrower, you've effect effectively shortened the reach to the levers. So you have to actually extend your stem length whereas they have built that into these handlebars that there's an extra 10 millimeters of reach or uh, yeah, 10 millimeters of reach, which sort of just may, means that when you transfer across, riders are already using narrow handlebars may well need to adjust their stem length, but riders moving from wider handlebars shouldn't need to because they've built in the bit of extra reach into the, the bars there. But also by doing that, because rather than just making the, 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 the section of the bars that the hoods attached to, the levers attached to longer, 
they they built that reach into the the tops of the bar, so the tops kind of flare forward. And by doing that, it he says it actually opens up extra wrist clearance for when you're in the sprinting position. So they're just you know I, I could go on and on and on here. As I said, the, the chat with Xavier was about an hour long, but the big takeaway for me was that here's a set of arrow bars, and the the brand who are you know promoting these and selling these are sort of saying, well, you know, first of all, the writer is the biggest thing. If he, he Xavier said, you know, if someone reads the data they put on their website free of charge and learns of the benefits of narrow, narrow handlebars, but still buys the kids ones, he still considers that a win because you know effectively they're the arrow coach and they've you know got that message out there. But then you know with the bars that they were making, it was it wasn't just as simple as make something more aerodynamic. Let's make some of the actually highly highly functional as well. And having having spent the time on the call with them. I was more interested to try these for all the little tidbits of you know uh, design built into them than for their actual arrow properties. So you know, and I put it to him, you know, we've heard about wake generators and and vortex generators and on all that other faff from other brands. It it sounds like you're not doing that with these handlebars, and he's like, oh no no, we've we've done that. We've made this design intentionally. There is some arrow trickery going on here, but we're just not shouting about it because. What he believes is when they go down that route and they market the product that way, he says what inevitably happens is that you and I, everybody on this call and everybody in the cycling space starts arguing over whether something that saves a what actually works or doesn't work. And he's like, that misses the point. The point here is it gets the rider into a more aerodynamic position. So he says there are still, he he put it as significant aero gains from the sort of airflow trickery that they're inducing there but they're just not sharing about it at the moment he promised they will at some point just not right now which again i thought was kind of refreshing the question is did you ask him if there's any pro teams have uh, reached out to him any riders was he allowed to say uh i didn't ask him that actually uh i i i doubt he would be allowed to say but a uh, good question and maybe we'll follow up with that one yeah nice one nice mm. one well there we go i think that that's it for this week isn't it we've covered everything I'd ask more questions about them aero bars, but I think you've given us um, enough to digest there, Ronan. You're welcome. Good, mate. Good, mate. Right. That's it. Done and dusted. Johnny, I'll let you get on your train. I'll let you get out your little room first, actually. I'm surprised no one's come knocking. I know. I'm kind of relieved, but also also disappointed. Hey, mate, I'll let you go and hang up them other two jerseys so you can really impress us next time. Thank you. I'm set. <laughs> I wasn't flexing, it's literally done <laughs> <laughs> Ronan, I'll let you get uh, building up another bike, I'm guessing, with an aero coach bars. Are you going to get a set sent over? Uh, no, no, I'm going to wait here for 25 minutes and then join you on the, the edit call that we've got coming up shortly. <laughs> so it'll not be long before I see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, normally we have a, a nice little break between podcast and edit call. But Spoiling the illusion. Because somebody forgot to press record. What an idiot. Who is that? The... The punishment, Amy, is that you're not going to have time to hang up your washing in between. So it's just going to be sitting there. I've got to cook me dinner oh. before I go to my bar class. Unbelievable. See what, you, what, you what class? Bar, like, she's going like to the pub, Dave. Of, oh, Pilates. Fair Whoa. enough. All right, then, people. <laughs> Thank you for listening to uh, this week's Cycling Tips podcast and uh, enjoy your week. Goodbye. Goodbye.